This question is from Keso and it went on to say, I have a Bible question. As a parent, I think more attention should be paid to redeeming our children, youth than raising them. What are the ways the Bible addresses the issue of disgruntle in different youth? And how can we reach their hearts and introduce them to Jesus? Can you share any story or experiences from the Bible or what Jesus did for a youth, if any? Looking forward to hearing from you. Well, that's interesting. You want to read the answer? The start from there. Just start from there. So, something. Okay. The Bible says, train up a child in the way that he should go. And when he's old, he will not depart from it. Proverbs 22, 6. It is the responsibility of the parents to train from birth in the right way, including the way of God. The problem is many parents fail to train the children in moral issue and the fear of God. If the parent himself does not know the Lord, nor fear God, he cannot teach what he does not know. You use the word redeeming the child, which means the child is already gone away into slavery or sin, especially when they are now teenagers. The solution is prayer, instruction, showing example, be an example of a believer, if still possible, teaching the word of God to the child, teenagers, which can be done by encouraging the teenager to listen or attend Bible studies from evangelical teachers. We are on radio in Ibadan, Lagos, and those teaching may help youth to begin to get interested in the things of the Lord. Praise God. Okay. So well, that that is a question concerning raising children. Like you have listened, the the lady that wrote this was saying she had experience, and, and she was actually asking that do we have examples of in the scriptures of how youth can be dealt with? Here is an example that we that somebody actually used recently. Apostle Paul was talking to Timothy in the book of. First Timothy or Second Timothy was telling Timothy that he could recognize in Timothy that the faith that was in Timothy. Timothy was a young man that followed Apostle Paul when he was preaching about, and being a young man, he most likely he was a teenager, 18 years or something like that. Apostle Paul was the one preaching, and then he said he came to, he came to this town and he said this young man was already a believer. When because was already founded the church over there, but when he went away and came back, this young man and his family has joined. So they saw that this young man is 
evangelical, so they recommended him to follow Apostle Paul. So Apostle Paul said, I could see in you, let me read it the way Apostle Paul said it, that the faith that was in Timothy was actually passed down to Timothy from his grandparents, Lois, and his mother, Eunice, which means they trained the child well until he was an adult that he was following his parents or his mom, if you can say just his mom, into the word of God that when, when Apostle Paul met Timothy, you could see that there was a faith already built up in Timothy. And he could realize that that actually was an heritage that Timothy got from his mom and his grandmother. And that is an example of how you can say this is in 2 Timothy chapter 1. Apostle Paul writing a second letter to Timothy said, when, verse 5, 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 5 says, When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, that's in Timothy, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded that in thee also. So what was he telling us? man that started following Apostle Paul, he, uh, he could see that same faith in, in the grandma of Timothy, which the grandma was also in the church. And Apostle Paul could have talked to the grandma and said, hmm, this is a great grandma that has faith in the Lord. And then Timothy's mom also was in the church. That's much church that he just started. And you could see that hey, this grandma passed it down to her daughter, who is the mother of Timothy. And when Timothy was following Paul, Apostle said, yeah, I could see that same faith. It's an heritage. If the grandma has faith, pass it down to the mom. The mom has that little faith, pass it down to Timothy when they were raising him up. So that's an example of raising up your child in the way of the Lord, whatever way they pass it down from their example. From how they exercise their own faith, growing up, living for God, and then telling others about it. So Timothy picked up on that, and when she came to Christ, when he came to Christ, he was ex exercising that kind of faith. That's a good example for you to see that it is yes, the parents that has to raise the child right from when they started. Well, you say, well, this one needs to be redeemed because the parents didn't know about the Lord, and the children have been wayward. Can they still be redeemed? Yes, they can be redeemed because many of us. That didn't even have parents that were believers, we were brought in by Christ because somebody preached the gospel to us. Maybe you, the parents, may not be able to talk to them anymore, but God can still send some younger people of their own age to talk to them. And that is how the Lord has been reaching generations after generations by sending people of their own generation to them. That is very important. If you say where well, you have been trying to talk to your teenager and they are not listening, try to find some teenagers of their caliber that have already been born again, that have already been saved. Try to make them to corner your child, to corner your children. You could see a good example in this one, and maybe they will emulate that. You could see a good word coming from this other one, they might try to emulate that. And they can talk to them about Christ and they may give their life. That has been known that it works because God has used that over and over again. God said, send laborers. That's what he says. He said, pray that I send laborers into the field. So when you pray, you can pray for your son or your daughter that is a teenager and say, Lord, send laborers to my son, to my daughter. He's not going to listen. She's not going to listen to me. I'm a mom. I didn't start when she was little. Now he, is, he or she is a teenager. They send laborers. Somebody that will talk to him or her that will make sense. And the Lord will Answer that prayer by sending somebody in the part of this your person that needs to be redeemed. 
mm. and they will be safe. Praise the Lord. That's exactly how the Lord said we should do it. Yeah. God bless you. There should be another question there we can do again. This one is uh, Mary, Mary here. The question starts from there. Yeah. Start from the question and right to the end of that as you continue this speech. Not, not too long. Any of writing. Mary. Okay, this question is from Mary. What does it mean to escape back to God? This month I bring to you a question. I was a Christian for over two years before the things of this world turned me away from God. I was advised to escape back to God, to continue relationship with the with the Lord again. But what does it mean to escape to escape back to God? How do I escape back to God? Have you come across anyone on your way who choose to escape back to God? Is there any example of anyone in the Bible who decided to escape back to God? And what gains is der derivable from escaping back to God? Okay. Well, from, from that terminology, you can see it depends on who, who, who was talking to her that she said they told her to escape back to God. This is what I respond to her. Mary, if you have gone away from the Lord into sins, you can come back to the Lord repentantly. And he is married to the backslider. Know that if you die in your sin, you are going to hell. First John chapter 1 verse 9 says, If we confess our sins, it is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. A person who used the phrase, escape back to God, was simply saying you are imprisoned to the sin. See, the word, I mean, they say different people use different words. So they say, yes, escape back to God. You say, what does that really mean? They are trying to say, this person is trying to make him see that he's like an imprisonment. Because Jesus Christ said, he that committed sin is a, what? is a slave to sin. So it's like a slavery. What is slavery in those days? They couldn't escape. They chained them down. They have to work hard in the farm, in the farm of the slave master. And there's no way they could escape because they were chained. And that was what sin. Also, Christ said, anyone that is a sinner, anyone that commits sin is a slave to sin. That the Son of God can set you free. And that is what, and this fellow who preached to this woman was saying, escape. As if it's a slavery, you have to find a way of escaping. That's what they really were talking about. They are saying that you are imprisoned to the sin and you need to escape from the imprisonment and run back to God. The way you do that is to repent from your sins and cry unto God to deliver you from these sins. Christ said, if the Son shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. So you cannot get out of sins by yourself. Remember that. That's the continuation of this exhortation. You cannot get out of sin by yourself. But you must be willing to get out of sins. Very important. People, if you are not in, interested in stopping those bad habits, you, nobody will be able to help you. Even God can't help you. But you must be interested that, yeah, you don't like this lifestyle. You want to get out. But you, what you notice is that if you try to get out by yourself, you will realize it's a shame. You couldn't get out by yourself. Many people will give that testimony. If they are drug addicts and then they want to stop. Oh, I have friends when I was in school. All that changed them was just smoking cigarettes. 
and they said they wanted to stop they wanted to stop they just couldn't stop it's like something's now addicted to it that is how they know that they are now enslaved to that cigarette but if the son of god jesus christ shall make you free you shall be free so that breaking of that shame is what we are talking about that it is only christ that's why we call him savior for anyone that has been given to any particular behavior habit and you try to try to stop by yourself you will realize you couldn't stop by yourself that was what addicts are but christ can break it just like that that is what we are saying when we say call on the lord jesus christ he will set you free you see so you cannot get out of sin by yourself but you must be willing to get out because if you are not willing, you are not, you say, well, I still love the smoking cigarette, and then Christ can help you. Or someone say, well, gee, I want to come to Christ, but they want that alcohol. They can't stop it. They don't want to stop it. Then Christ won't help you. But if they know that they don't like it themselves, they want to get out, and they are trying the effort, they say, they couldn't get out of themselves. Only Christ can set them free. So that is the irony of the thing. So, but when you call upon Jesus, he's the Savior. That is repentance is that you are willing to get out you want to get out and then you call upon jesus then when you call upon the lord he will deliver you those who love their sins that is they love to see to do it are not and are not interested to change will end up in hell or ultimately in the lake of fire so i admonish you to repent and turn away from your sins and pray to the lord to deliver you from the sin so when you say escape from this imprisonment of, imprisonment of sin means Call upon the Lord Jesus Christ. They sincerely want to be free from that sin. You have to identify which are your sins. It's the one you know. Don't say, well, everybody is a sinner. We even step on hands. Oh, God can. God knows that answer. That's not the sin you're talking about. The one you know. The stealing you know. The adultery you know. The fornication you know. All of those ones that are the alcoholism that you want to get rid of. Those ones you say, Lord, I want to stop this so that I can move closer to you. That is the one you concentrate on and say, Lord, deliver me from this. So people say, you know, when you are walking, you are stepping on ants. God can see those ants. So don't worry about the ants. Oh, you are stepping on ants. When I was in the churches, that's what they were saying to us. Everybody is a sinner. Even the ants that you step upon, you just sin. You kill that ant. See, God knows about the ants. So that's not the, that's not the major thing. The one you know, the sin you know, that's what you want to ask the Lord. God, deliver me from this one, Lord. And then... The Lord will take care of you. Then the rest of you will take, fall into place. So I admonish that person, repent and turn away from your sins. And the Lord will take care of, of you. That was the answer to Mary. And then let's see whether we have some more time. After six. So let's, uh, let's stop right there because that's a good place to stop. And we believe God that you that are listening, you have been blessed. And we just pray that the Lord will bless you more and more. Go to our website, gospeldistribution.org and or you can go to the gdeva.org and listen to some more of the exhortations that we bless you. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Well, we will continue this message in the next broadcast. The Bible said, precept shall be upon precept, line upon line. A little there, a little there. And I pray that you will not miss the next broadcast so that you can build upon that which you have just learned today. The Bible said, Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. In, in other words, we can say, Faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing the Word of God. 
It's not just a one-time shot. You must keep hearing the word so that your faith can be built up. We shall continue this message in the next broadcast. Don't miss the next broadcast. God bless you.